the Jeep Wrangler 4xe. It's electrified. So you can boogie woogie woogie up a mountain, over creeks, or boogie woogie woogie through a desert where you get bit by a pit viper. So you boogie woogie woogie back to camp and ask your friends if they'll suck the snake venom out. When they say no, you boogie woogie woogie to the nearest hospital for a dose of anti-venom and boogie woogie woogie your way to a full recovery. The electrified Jeep Wrangler 4xe. Learn more at jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. Sir, I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I don't no, know you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor, a teacher, a clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who we have tonight? Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, having thoughts of suicide, or just needs to talk, call 988. 988 provides 24-7 direct connection to free, confidential, and compassionate support in your phone's local area code. When you call 988 in Santa Clara County, you'll talk with trained crisis counselors who will support you and connect you to local resources if needed. You are not alone in crisis. There is hope. Rakuten helps me be a smarter shopper and save money on just about everything. They have all things you need to buy, whether it's home essentials or a self-care treat just for you. With Rakuten, I get cash back on clothes, groceries, travel, and much, much more. Even better, you can stack cash back on top of other deals, like store sales and credit card points. In case you're wondering, the stores on Rakuten are the ones you know and love, and lots of cool ones waiting to be discovered. When it comes to savvy shopping and saving money, Rakuten is a no-brainer. It's free and easy to join. Just go to Rakuten.com now or download the Rakuten app today. That's Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. When I first met Paul Constantinescu, he was just one of 51 predators who surfaced in our investigation in Riverside, California, 15 years ago. But since then, Paul, producer Paul 2001, as he called himself online, has become a much bigger story than what his initial appearance would suggest. And so it is that Paul Constantinescu is the focus of this episode 
of predators I've caught. Riverside County, California. This was our third to catch a predator investigation in the original series. And it was very significant because this was the first time we worked in conjunction during the investigation with law enforcement. We had done an investigation in Bethpage, Long Island. We had done an investigation in Herndon, Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C. In each of those cases, there were prosecutions, but it was after the fact. After we did the Washington, D.C. area to catch a predator, we got in contact with the Riverside County Sheriff's Department, which was interested in collaborating on an investigation. And I thought, well, if we could have law enforcement a part of the initial process, it would be beneficial. It would be socially responsible. And it would, from a television production standpoint, be more fulfilling to the viewer. It was unfulfilling, to be honest with you, to see these guys march off after I confronted them down the street or getting in their car and going off on about their business. And again, some were prosecuted, but it makes it easier when law enforcement is part of the process. And again, as I've mentioned before, this did cause some heartburn within the journalistic world. The accusations that I was working too close with law enforcement. I'm fine with all of that. So there we are, Riverside County, California. And the decoys from Perverted Justice were very busy. Again, this was the largest amount of men we had ever seen still today in one single investigation. Imagine 51 in three days. It was crazy at some points. So along the way, there's a conversation between Paul Constantinescu and a decoy posing as a 13-year-old girl. At the time, Constantinescu was 40 years old. He worked in a guitar shop, he told us later. He was posing online as a 24-year-old who started chatting up a 13-year-old girl named Danny Darlin, 92. And he jumps right in, in this chat room. Hi, you want to see my cam? Uh, well, not really, LOL. They talk about the age. She says she's 13. Makes it very clear. Says she's from Riverside. He says he's from Hollywood and asks if she has a pick. Then he says, hmm, you're young. No cam? Are you horny? I don't know. She plays the role of a child. Open to the idea of this discussion, but not experienced. He asks what she's wearing. Camo shorts and a tank top, she says. She describes herself as being 5'2", longish brown hair, green eyes. He asks if she's a virgin. Says he's 6 feet tall, brown hair, 165 pounds. And jumps right in about sex. Have you ever done oral? Actually, he misspells it at first, saying otol, but then corrects himself, saying oral. And she sort of says that she's experimented with her boyfriend, but not sure if he really liked it. He goes on to get very graphic, asks her to masturbate. Now, remember, this guy is 40. He's told the girl, or who he thinks is a girl, that he's 24, and he knows, because he acknowledges it in the transcripts, that she's only 13 years old. 
and he's ready to meet up. Asks for her address. She says that she lives in Riverside. He asks if he should bring condoms. She says, yeah, I don't want to get preggers. And then he goes off on this tangent about, well, I can't really come over right now because I've got some friends who say they're now going to visit me. And that lasts, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, I suppose. And then he's ready to go again, asking for the address. And within the hour, here he is, sneaking in the back patio door of the home where we're set up in Riverside County, California. Now, to understand a little bit more about Paul Constantinescu, producer Paul 2001, let me describe what he looks like. And for those of you who follow the Predator investigations, you've seen his picture online. You've probably seen my confrontation with him, but he kind of slides in, dark hair, stringy, maybe down to his shoulder. And he looks like maybe Pee Wee Herman's evil cousin who hasn't showered in a while. And he slides right in. He's got this big jug of wine and condoms. Are you here? Yeah, come on in. Okay. Did you bring your wine? Yes. Awesome. And I approach. This is in the kitchen. And I tell him to have a seat. And he starts right in with, oh, I must have the wrong address. Well, no, he didn't have the wrong address. I've got the transcripts. And then he says there was a big mix-up with his computer and that he thought the young woman he was going to visit was 24. Listen to part of the exchange I have with him. I'm not really sure this, this is where Andrews. I've never been out here. This is the address that you were given. So you have wine, you have condoms, and you have a camera. Yeah. Well, I thought she was 24. That's why I came over. I suggest that the mix-up is that he told the girl he was 24 when he was actually 40, or at least part of the mix-up. That didn't go over so well with him. And the conversation continues. I ask him about the wine. Now, this is not just a small bottle. This is a big jug of wine. And he had a lot of condoms. He was ready for action here with a 13-year-old girl. He maintains that he wasn't going to do anything, that it's one big mix-up. You know, my com computer kind of flipped out, and I thought she said she was 24 because I was talking to a couple different people at the, at the same time. And then he stops talking. I'll teach you everything, K-Baby. You know, I'm sorry, sir. I'm in the wrong place. All positions and technique. He leaves, walks back out the patio door in the home in Riverside County, California, up the sidewalk, and he's arrested in the driveway of the home. This home was a you know, upper-middle-class home in a neighborhood, a, a you know, track neighborhood, and the sheriff's department actually had a motorhome set up in a neighbor's driveway. That was the processing center. Remember that, you know, this is the first time Riverside County Sheriff's Department had done an investigation like this with uh, the media. So they were sort of figuring it out as it went along. And they did a great job. It's a very professional department. In fact, the lieutenant... Chad Bianco, who was running the investigation at the time, is now the actual elected sheriff of Riverside County, California, which is interesting. And he continues to lead there and do a great job. Constantinescu is taken away. He's booked, processed, and 
he continues to claim that he was wrongly accused, that he was entrapped, that there was some sort of effort to change the nature of his conversation. He even, according to friends later who we interviewed, went so far as to create an alternate transcript that he would show people, claiming that this is what he really said, that the girl actually said that she was 24, and he would show this off to people. Now, ultimately, Constantinescu was convicted of two charges. He was sentenced to three months in prison, in jail, and then he was on probation, and he had to register as a sex offender. Now, at some point, he stopped reporting to his parole officer as a sex offender, and he was listed, and still is listed on records today in California, as absconded under the sexual offender registry. But what happened since then is really, really twisted when you get right down to it. As far as we know, Constantinescu is living in Ohio. I reached out to him on a phone number that we had come up with through research and left a voicemail, got no response, and reached out to a couple of his friends. But here's the interesting part of the case and the, the, the really bizarre part of this case. Fast forward from 2006, when he serviced in our investigation, to around 2012, Constantinescu has another brush with the law. Now, here's his background, just to fill you in. In the 80s, he was actually part of a heavy metal band that had some notoriety and some popularity in the Cleveland area. It was called Sabre. And Sabre actually had a, a song that was a little bit popular in the heavy metal world in the mid-80s called City of Flames. And it never went big time, but Paul Constantinescu was the bass player in this band. And they ended up moving out to L.A. and making a go of it. In fact, if you want to hear the song City in Flames by Sabre, you can do so. We put a link in the show notes. It's pretty easy to Google as well. It's pretty much what you'd expect of a heavy metal band in the mid-80s coming out of Cleveland. Never was into heavy metal too much myself, but you might enjoy it. But the story of Constantinescu in Los Angeles takes a very bizarre and disturbing turn. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. When he was getting busted in 2006, a young woman from Chattanooga, Tennessee, named Sitara Stratton, leaves her home and goes to L.A. to try to make it in Hollywood as an actress. She had studied in New York. She had some parts. And she was in L.A. trying to make it happen. She was working a lot of different jobs, living with a bunch of other starving actors and actresses, trying to find work. And she got some roles in a couple independent films, Sitara did. And at some point on set, she meets a member of the crew. And who do you think that person is? Paul Constantinescu. 
So Paul at the time is apparently getting work in film, in TV, working on the crew, but is also working at a rubber stamp company in Hollywood that is at least part owned by his brother, who was also a member of this band, Sabre. So not only is he trying to eke out a living working as a member of the crew in films, he's working at this rubber stamp company. And apparently at some point he's living in the back room of this rubber stamp company, which is right in Hollywood in kind of a seedy rundown area. And apparently this business is okay in the front of the office, but you know, not real nice in the back. And he's carved out a little place where he's living. He meets Sitara Stratton. And depending on who you believe, they form a relationship. And by all accounts, it was drug-fueled. And this is where the story gets very murky because right around 2011, Sitara Stratton disappears. Her mother, who's a college professor back at Chattanooga, Tennessee, is beside herself. She's worried. The LAPD, Missing Persons Bureau, starts an investigation. The case gets the attention of the local media. Stories are done. And one day in 2012, Sitara is dropped off at a Los Angeles hospital, Cedar sinai Medical Center. And... It's a miracle that she's found. The mother is happy. The media reports it. And she tells this harrowing tale of being held against her will, injected with heroin, physically and sexually abused by men, including allegedly Constantinescu. Now, he denies this. He claims that anything that went on between the two is consensual. And his friend's claim that they know about this relationship and back that up. I should also say at this point that Constantinescu is never criminally charged in that matter, having to do with Sitara Stratton. Sitara and her mom do some interviews, and you can see those on YouTube. In fact, we have some, and we'll play a couple clips here for you so you can listen. But she tells the tale of being held against her will, and apparently on some occasions... Law enforcement was looking at Constantinescu. They, the two had been linked, and they wanted information from him. They brought him in for questioning. They muscled him pretty hard for information. He admitted nothing. And according to her story, Sitara's story, she was actually kept in a hole in the wall at this rubber stamp company. Even at one point, while detectives came to interview Constantinescu, and she wasn't in a position to scream or ask for help. She claimed she was held for several months. Constantinescu leaves Los Angeles and apparently heads back to Ohio. Sitara Stratton ultimately goes back to live with her mother and starts the long process of rehabilitation she claims that she was injected with heroin by Constantinescu and others to keep her under control and that she was the victim of human trafficking and that Constantinescu and others were going to sell her to 
traffickers in South Korea and that other female victims were involved here. Now, nobody was ever prosecuted in that sort of a case. We know that human trafficking occurs. We know that it occurs in Los Angeles and in virtually every city in America. We know that it's an international crime or can be, but no charges were ever brought in this case. Now, a friend of Konstantinescu, a fellow band member, did an interview a few years ago with Joey Teacab. Now, you know who Joey Teacab is. He um, has been on this show. He is the keeper of all things to catch a predator and a, a good friend of the show and a very thorough researcher. I tried to reach out to this same former fellow band member and was unable to find him. But he claims that, as I mentioned before, the transcripts used to convict Constantinescu in the Predator case from 2006 were falsified. Because he, he actually showed me uh, um, the chat, the actual chat log before Yahoo Messenger was deleted. The girl said she was the, okay. There was two chats. One said the girl was 24, and that was the one that was the sexual chat that he was that was on that's on the show. Right. But then there was one where she said she was 13, and that's and he said he backed off after that. But they right. they uh, like transformed them both into one thing. So like they got the age of the girl, but then put in the sexual chat that he did with the other girl. Then the friend and former bandmate suggests that the allegations of Constantinescu drugging, assaulting sexually and physically Sitara Stratton are also false and that there was a relationship there and that it was consensual as bad as the living conditions might have been, that it was just really two people who fell on hard times who both had addictions. She was there on her own will. And while well, he, he did make a, a very bad mistake of bringing drugs to her, I, I understand that. But he right. was not keeping her against her will, and he was not trafficking her or anything like that. Sadly, Sitara Stratton would not recover from all of this, whatever the truth may be. And in 2017, we find her back in the Los Angeles area where she dies. Uh, there's no link between the death and Paul Constantinescu. The L.A. County Medical Examiner ruled the death the apparent overdose, heroin, and meth. Just a sad end to a, a troubled life. And she did have some roles. She was beautiful at one point. Uh, you could see that the life on the street and drugs had taken their toll. Now, back to Paul Constantinescu, who, as I mentioned before, we tried to reach. As far as the law enforcement records go in California, it still lists him as an absconded sex offender. Now, when they picked him up for questioning in the Sitara Stratton case, they used that outstanding warrant because he hadn't reported as he was supposed to under his parole agreement and his agreement as a registered sex offender, his responsibilities as a registered sex offender. And that's why they picked him up for questioning in the case. And, and there was some pretty aggressive questioning there. The detective at LAPD at the time, Carmine Sasso, really thought that Constantinescu knew a lot more about this case than he was giving up and made it very clear to him. And he talked about this in a couple 
television programs where they delve into cases where people have disappeared. But they never made any criminal case against him there. And the word is that Constantinescu, who by now is 55 years old, is living quietly in Ohio, at least as far as we can tell, and has not gotten into any trouble in the last five, six years. It'd be interesting to talk to Constantinescu here on this program. Again, I've reached out, as I have with many other of the predators I've caught. Because I think there are a number of stories here, and I know for a fact that some of these fellows have turned their lives around. There's one who's an artist who I've reached out to, who I will continue to try to contact, because I think it's important to tell the stories where people have improved their lives, as well as it is to fill you all in on what's happened to some of these people since they became one of the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. If you want to reach me about an idea for this podcast, you can do so at chris at predatorpodcast.com. I'll be watching and listening.